Welcome to We Call It Soccer, a podcast by two United fans. I'm Notch. I'm Colin. And I'm Caleb. This week, we go alone, but it, it, it gets good. We promise. Just keep listening. Before we came on to recording, we were talking about how Mo Salah was forced by the Egyptian FA to pose with murderous, genocidal dictator Ramzan Kadyrov. And of course, we'll talk about the implications of that in our segment from Russia with VAR. But I wanted to ask you a question related to that. So Kadyrov, when uh, Mo Salah showed up, he had this kind of little function with these dancers. He had... Salah awarded honorary citizenship, and then he had him pose with his kids and his favorite, like, MMA fighter. If you had your favorite athlete, if this is now, of course, assuming that you are an autocratic dictator, which athlete mm-hmm. would you uh, persuade to come hang out with you? And then what weird activities would you make that athlete do with you while they look really unamused and unhappy to be there? Wow. This is a headspace that I have never been in. Um, well, yeah, you're not an autocratic dictator. If you were, yeah. I'd have to spill the beans and tell everyone about the things that I know, which I'm holding on to until you decide to go rogue. That's right. You be silent. <laughs> yeah, you know what you did. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just putting you the top of the list as opposed to like seventh. Hey, number one. Congratulations, Notch. Yeah. You that, should feel that, odd. Shut up, number two. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> All right. So, so really? answer, you answer, beat me? Come on. Answer to the question. Um, it's going to be easy at least to pick the athlete. Yeah, but I, I don't want to disappoint all of my favorite athletes. That's the only problem. Oh, so you got to pick someone who's not quite your favorite. Yeah, like someone that I'd, I'd feel okay with them, like absolutely visibly not wanting to be there. Um, There's got to be some like mediocre tier Arsenal player out there. Um, Andre Urshavin, let's do that. Okay, yeah. Um, I mean, he's Russian already, so he's used to that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, he he's definitely seen those things. Um, so I think Andre Arshavin maybe being forced into. Uh, losing to me at go-karts and me <laughs> constantly spinning him out when I lap him. All right, yeah, that's I think that's that would fair. be fantastic. That's I, fair. I think, why not make it like a whole arcade like mini-dolf situation <laughs> where you like send every mini-dolf putt where you just looked away while you made the extra strokes and, and you and hit him he, a laser tag every single time. And, and every time he comes ball. close, you like look at him and he's just like, oh, click. Hits I it, mean, like, away you, from you the, guys do realize that Kim Jong Il, um, Kim Jong Un's father, scored a fifty-four under on a eighteen-hole golf course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, one time, right? eighteen holes in one. That's right. Yeah. That's a well so, so Caleb, Caleb, before our intro goes on too long, uh, tell me what you would do. S- strangely enough, mine is also Mo Salah. <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't the man <laughs> suffered enough? We would have fun, damn it. Okay, we'd play a bunch of FIFA. We'd go some some punch shows around the cities, and we'd probably just like, I don't know. He, I'd ask him. Follow like his hair ton of food if it is, and we go out to that. See, this is why cities. he's not made out to be an autocratic dictator. Yeah, he'd nice. actually yeah. have fun. And Mo Salah would leave being like, Whoa, Caleb, you're awesome. And I want to be part of this democracy. Right, exactly. <laughs> that 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 is the way it would, it yeah, would I'm pretty too much nice, go down. Is the thing. Yeah, well, uh, I, I like both of those. 
And uh, I'm going to add them to my list of things to do. Scribble, scribble, scribble. And let's now move on with the show. Can we please just keep talking about this? For the next, like, 10 to 15 minutes? Yeah. So, What's listener, I, I've been I've been requested by both Caleb and Colin before I started hit, hitting the re- re- record button that uh, we should not have our first segment this week, United Passions. And, um, you know, I, I would really like to avoid it this time, too, because... Um, well, you'll find out in a minute, but I, I can't do that. I feel like I'd be depriving you. I think part of the charm of this this show, guys, is that sometimes we're joking around. Sometimes it's happy. But sometimes, you know, we're just angry together and uh, the listener gets to be angry with us. It's like we're in their room, you know, and then we're, we're all we're all in this kumbaya of rage. Uh, together, it's very oxymoronic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, I, I know, I know, I know. Also, it dips in the band name Kumbaya of Rage. There you go. Uh, it's better than Prophets of Rage. I'll tell you that yeah, much. Absolutely. Mm. So uh, let's now move into our first segment, United Passions. Our sport has a bright future ahead. In the United Passions segment, we talk about the United. We are most of the time passionate about <laughs> Minnesota United FC, who this week traveled to Colorado, uh, and I followed them. And they lost three to two on a basically the final kick of the game, pretty much pending uh, bar. And I, after this game, I think felt the most depleted, and I use that word very, very specifically, that I've ever felt after a Minnesota United game. I have no energy for anything. Like I was just, I wasn't even like like after the NASL semifinal twenty fourteen. I had a lot of sadness. I had a lot of like energy to expend by talking about the team and wanting to complain about the referee decision. There was a lot of passion involved in the loss and the disappointment. This one, just nothing. I was just like, you know, I don't even want to complain. I don't even... like. It took me three days to begin complaining about this loss because I was so upset with, uh, with the way things went down. Because going into this, this was the team that has... I mean, this is not an exaggeration. The longest losing streak in MLS history. They had they had made that happen just earlier this year. There's a reason that we start out every single time we talk about Colorado with, is Colorado good? And then we come up with an even worse way to say no every single time. Speaking of which, our weekly question. Hey, Caleb, are Colorado good now? No. What does but that me- say about the team that just lost to them? Uh, Minnesota is also not good. Um, Minnesota lost. T- they're ahead of three teams whoa, in the Western Conference but, but table. Before, before we go on, we have to credit your Minnesota are also not good. Uh, we have to give credit to Colin Solberg for for that. Uh, He's been tweeting that pretty yeah. regularly. I'm pretty yeah, sure at this point it's it's his catchphrase. Moments. Yeah, he he you know like, he, you meet him at the bar and he's like, "Hey, Colin, what's up? Minnesota aren't good. People forget that." Yep. And then he's like, uh, "Teeth shine." And and it goes into a close up with a little bit of text under his like neck. So he's been tweeting that so much though, we're not gonna forget it. No. Well actually probably miss for kick off on Friday, I will forget it completely and have hope again. Yeah, I, I hope. Okay. So anyway, you, you <laughs> were saying Yeah, we're ahead of three teams in the Western Conference table, Colorado, Seattle, and San Jose. Those teams have one thing in common. They've all beat us. San Jose beat us twice. Mm-hmm. That's still San Jose's only two wins. Yes. Which when, their commentators kindly reminded us yes. about. No, no. The opposing commentators. Oh, yeah. RSL's commentators. We've talked about that game later. Yeah. But anyway. Even though we're not 
last in the table, when the three teams below you have beat you, you're the worst team in the West. And not only that, beaten you in every single fixture yeah. that we've played against them. Uh, at this point, I will remind you that both MLS Cup finalists from last year have worse points per game than we do. That's okay. Toronto and DC United is also worse. <laughs> so, okay. I, I would make the argument that we are a bottom quarter or bottom third team in this league. And so we're not absolutely atrocious, but we're we're pretty bad. I agree with you. And now when we go to Colorado, I'm expecting a a win. Because I, yeah. I, you know, we should be thrashing Colorado. They have one point in the last nine games, until recently. Until now, recently, they have four. Obviously. Yeah. But uh, so I was expecting us to put on a good show. Instead, we got a close run match that ended three two. How did that happen? Um, Minnesota started okay. Um, they, at least in the first twenty or so minutes, seemed to be taking the game to Colorado. Colorado were making a lot of defensive mistakes. Minnesota was able to score off of one of them when... How is Tim Howard still playing? Like, he's... He's not, but... He had the game against Belgium four, four years ago, and he's still close enough for that. He, I mean, Colorado would have lost that game without him, though. He did manage to hold us back a little bit. I do want to point that out, though. Eventually, but that nutmeg was just one of the worst moments of goalkeeping I've seen now until I started watching highlights from you, this week. You're, you're talking about our first goal there. Yeah. Okay. Which Ibarra scored yeah. off of a really sloppy ball that went, as you said, from Tim Howard towards Ibarra. He runs in, knocks it in. Yeah. So you would think based off of that, that Minnesota would have actually taken charge, taken control of the game. They didn't. They never imposed themselves after that fact. We were we seemed incapable of pressing when we weren't in possession. It's because we are incapable of pressing. And that led to Colorado's first two goals. I believe just leaving um what's his name? The guy who scored the first goal. Castillo. Castillo. Just alone on the edge of the box. They have plenty of time to throw that one in. It's a great finish. Credit to him, but he should never had that much space. The second goal is even more egregious as a center back dribbles 20 yards into her own half, passes to another player who is not closed down at all and just slips in a pass to Mason. This Easy as you like. Three passes and there, there's a goal. Now, on that one, I believe Brent Coleman slipped. Yeah. I mean, is that something that we're going to say that that's a mistake that we hold him accountable for? Do we say that that happens sometimes? He's held himself accountable. He went on Twitter after the game and said, I'm sorry about the slip. We'll try to do better next time. That whole entire game, players from both teams were slipping and sliding over that ice rink in Dick's Sporting Goods Park. Uh, On an extremely hot day in Dick's Sporting Goods Park, as I'll tell you. Which, briefly, let me just, uh, while we're talking about all the negatives, let me put one little quick positive there. You know, do go to away games in Colorado. The C38, I think, had do. One of them said, like, we have the best tailgate in the country. And then I thought, I don't remember being that good last year. 
Uh, no, total mistake. It is that good. It is the best tailgate in the country by far. They have pizzas, hot dogs, beers, which everything is free to you for a seven buck donation. And I'm pretty sure if I go back to the last time I talked about Colorado away, I say the exact same thing. So dumbass Notch needs to remember that Colorado <laughs> tailgates are the best in the country. So do yep. go. This so time that was next year, same exact thing we said by right. Notch. Anyway, but... Um, while we're talking about sloppiness and mistakes, let's talk about Ibarra, who did get sent off. Now, when we were in the away section, all we saw was a bunch of Colorado players converging on Ibarra. By the time we noticed what was happening, and then he hits the deck, um, I didn't really see what happened there. So w- what was the diagnosis of that whole fight? Because it was a fight, I presume. A, a soccer fight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he went to get the ball... And Colorado had just start. scored. Had just scored. Yep. I don't. I think I don't remember who was the player he. I think initially it, was, it might have been Mason that he Mason, possibly. Okay, and they stuff for the ball. Mason picks it up. Ibarra starts ripping off his hands. Mason turns around. Ibarra shoves him and clips him in the back of the head. Um, Jack Price of Colorado takes offense to that and basically. Just body checks Miguel to the ground, and after the tussle, and Mason got a yellow. Ibarra got a red, and Price got the horseshoe out of his ass. I don't know. He's very lucky to be on the pitch at that point in the game. They didn't. I don't think they went to VAR. Um, yeah, they did. They did. Yeah. Well, then that's a that's a mistake that VAR made. Does Price should have been sent off as well? Because he did the same exact thing that Ibarra did. Yeah. If not more violent and egregious. It was, it, it, and, you know, earlier I was pretending like I hadn't gone and seen the replay earlier, but I, I did. <laughs> and, and it did look like the Colorado players were kind of instigating Ibarra mm-hmm. at every step of the way over there. And it does not justify his reaction, but it does feel like the conduct uh, punishments were a bit one sided. Now, uh, that put us down a man. And, um, I mean, among all of the things that helped Colorado, that was another factor. Were there other things that you want to point out? Oh, we should also point out while we're talking about Ibarra before we go on to the other things that led to our loss. Ibarra and Ramirez muted in their celebrations of their goals, strangely. And maybe this might be reading too much into it afterwards, but um, it, it did stick out that neither of them went really crazy when when we scored. I, I could have sworn I read something to the effect of both of them realized that this isn't a time to be celebrating when the team isn't playing that well. Mm-hmm. Like, y- you don't go crazy exuberant when your team hasn't gotten results. But I would also, argue when Ibarra scored that the team was doing okay and that it was a moment for celebration because it felt like the yeah, floodgates were opening a, like a they goal were supposed a, to. Effective I, I, celebration can rally a team yeah. and pumped up. But both players touched on had muted hugs with players around them, and that was it. I will also yeah. point out that Christian Ramirez, after the game, came over, or a few players came over, which uh, I just want to make a quick point before we go on. I can see why people get angry that every single player doesn't come and acknowledge the away fans, but after a loss like that, I'm okay if it's a if it's a sizable but smaller group of players who do it. I can understand why some of the guys are just like, dude, I can't. Or if they maybe send kudos on Twitter later or something like that. Like, that's okay by me. Uh, But a group of players did come by. Christian Ramirez was part of them. And um, he stayed 
looking grimly at us just a little bit longer than everyone else. And and it seemed kind of like a pregnant pause. Um, I wanted to say something to him. He seemed like he wanted to say something to us. And I, I don't, I mean, again, this might be like too much doctor psychology uh, reading ex post facto of all of this. It just was maybe him just feeling like, God damn, man, we could have done that. Maybe he was just replaying some of the moments of that game in his head. I don't know. But it just seemed like there was something there. Yeah, um, I saw that on Twitter as well. I think Bruce McGuire at Denord on Twitter tweeted something about it. Um, either the mood in the locker room is what they showed after their goals. Everyone's kind of muted and kind of despondent almost. Or there are changes coming and they're not looking forward to them. Reminder that uh, Adrian Heath after the Houston game said those things that we read out in last week's intro where he said that uh, basically implied that a reckoning of some sort, that's not a direct quote, was coming. And he had figured some great thing out um, about his players. Well, it didn't work out in this game. Yeah. Whatever he figured out. Yeah. And do we want to breach the hashtag Keith out at this point? If you'd like to, you can go ahead. I mean, I'm I'm sympathetic to both sides of it. I still think that Adrian Heath is a decent to good in-game manager. I think he does a few things, a few tweaks here and there that sometimes help out the team. Apparently, after the game, he was mad that the tactics weren't really seen out. You know, the game plan, they didn't execute it or something like that. But... For my money, I I just don't see, I don't see him making the necessary changes with what he has right now. He seems a, a little bit stubborn and wants to play a certain way, even if the players he has at his disposal won't allow that. Yeah, if he's not, there was a good post um, by I think it was Brett Soton on Twitter. Um, who was a fan of Sheffield United when Inchi coached them in the 90s? Yeah, late 90s. And bought their 3-1 loss to a uh, future relegation relegated team, Port Vale. And kind of asking the question, which game is our Port Vale game with Inchi? And this seems a lot like it. I mean, it, um, down to what you were saying about just feeling defeated afterwards. Like, you weren't mad, you weren't, you didn't have the energy to rage about the game afterwards. It, it was just such a letdown that everything just disappeared. Yeah. And he, his seat should be blistering hot at this point. He can't have that much room to maneuver the rest of the season, or I don't know what the plan is, if there is a plan in the FO in case this gets worse. It's just a little... So, uh, I'll I'll give you the the numbers. If you go to his Wikipedia page, you can find these as well, which is his win percentage has pretty much always been in the 30s with two exceptions. One was his time at Coventry City in 2007 when he had a 20% win percentage in uh, just a very small number of games that he managed there. And then a 29%, 29 29.41% with us at the moment. 
His most notable win percentage came with Orlando City in the USL from 11 to 14, where he was at 67.21%. Now, take that for what you will. I, I guess I just want to go back now to things that contributed to our loss. We, we've started talking about the manager. Do you think that there was something manager or tactics related that contributed to our loss here? Um, the constant lack of ball pressure. Yeah, that's that's a direction that Heath and Mark Watson can make to the players. And we've seen uh, I, players like Rasmus and even Ibarra at points pressuring the defense in their own half or the the team in, the other team in their own half. There just wasn't any of that. No sense of urgency really from any of the loons in, in defense. It that's either a lot of motivation thing, but from the coach, or that is something from the players that the tapped us to figure out. But it's a locker room issue that definitely shows on the field. And if nothing gets fixed, it's not going to get any better. This game is going to be very telling on Friday of what to expect in the future. So. Let me let me elaborate just a little bit on um, some of the things I've already said on Twitter, and then I think it's time for us to move on, which was, first of all, the word I used was depleted, not defeated, or a little bit different, um, and and it, it's a very specific feeling in my head, but... I, I think, if anything, the depleted feeling probably fits in more with Britison's uh, post. Right, but, right, right. I, th- I think, for me, the the reason I said that particular thing is because... You know, tomorrow if Adrian or Manny came out and said, here's our plan, that's not what I'm looking for even at this point. All I want is to be shown that the ownership and the leadership, um, maybe even Adrian and Manny more explicitly, are mad about what's going on. Like this, that this isn't the plan. That this isn't what we expected. That this isn't just par for the course. Because for me, I, I said this I on Twitter earlier, which was, I want this team to exceed, far exceed the mean performance for Minnesota sports teams. I don't want this team to be just another Minnesota sports team that people joke about. Like, because, gosh, I, I I don't think I have it in me. Like, I, I, I really don't want that to happen. And so what I'm looking for is some desire and some upsetness from the team. The problem is Minnesota United is so tight-lipped, we don't hear anything. And... I so I don't know how everybody feels about this stuff. I think I do. I assume, but I don't know for sure. So I just want that feeling to be mirrored. As a fan, I just want to know that there are people inside the team who are angry about this and sympathize and are going to keep trying to make a change. Because honestly, that will do more for me than hearing about some plan. Because we've heard a lot of plans. We've heard a lot about, oh, we're going to scout over here. We're going to get this guy. We're going to try for that. Try to sign these players. These many players with this still thinking of signing. It's all bullshit. I mean... A lot of these plans doesn't, they don't come through. The players aren't good. They get injured, whatever. I just want to know that my feelings are shared. I know the players shared them. I was seeing their faces as they walked out. They were fucking pissed, man. Or at least as depleted as I felt. One of the two. Um, And so that's what I want here. And whether that means the manager going or someone else going or the players going, I don't care. Like, just fix it, and part of fixing it means actually thinking it's a problem, and that's the step I want first. 
addressed. Um, so anyway, that that's kind of very negative for me, I know. Um, but that, that's kind of where I am at the moment. It's uh, you know what? Let's let's. I think I think it makes sense for us to take a quick break and then come back for uh, part two. We'll take two breaks in in today's episode. So let's take a break right here. We'll be returning with the top step. Welcome back to We Call It Soccer, the part two of our show. We spent 24 minutes before we finished talking about Minnesota United. Now, all of that was Minnesota United talk. Some of it was our autocratic dictator fantasies, uh, which we all have, of course. Don't look at us that way, listener. But um, so we spent a long time until we got to other stuff. And I do wonder how many folks who listen to this podcast are not fans of Minnesota United at all. And just want us like, come on, guys, get through United Passions quickly. And just or like hit the fast forward button because we focus so much times two speed. Right. It's like chipmunks, angry, sad chipmunks like about. <laughs> I, I know there are at least a few people who listen to us on double speed, actually. So, uh, so anyway, we apologize. This is not an episode I'll be trying to push too hard on non-Minnesota uh, United fans, basically. But uh, uh, sometimes it is necessary for us to go in a little bit more detail. We have feelings. Uh, but uh, speaking of feelings, let's let's go to a man who had a ton of that Macho Man Randy Savage in a segment that we call the Top Step. But the cream rise to the top, oh yeah. In the Top Step segment, we talk about the top step of United States soccer, Major League Soccer, and the NWSL. The first uh, game that we have to discuss this week was Philadelphia versus Vancouver, where Philadelphia, defying critics, defying reality itself, put four goals past the Whitecaps. More specifically, Boric Dochkal has finally started playing like a designated player. Boric Dochkal is an extremely funny name. It really is. It yeah. really yeah. is. Hope he scores more in the future so we can keep saying his funny name. Yeah, I, me too. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he was able to uh, get a double dupe. Jose Aja was also sent off for a dog so in this game. Why did they think that was soft? It, it wasn't. It, it it wasn't but at all. Who's daily Illuminati? Like the 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 Garbers, like secret the, of cabal that controls MLS. The Philadelphia announcers. No, the TSN announcers. Never mind. It was TSN announcers. The Canadians thought it was soft. Yeah, well, they would, wouldn't they? I mean, given the current state of U.S. Still, Canada relations, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they absolutely. He still would. got teeth, eh? He's fine. No call. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Jordi Reyna also got sent off late, got a second yellow in the box. Fafa Pico earns and takes the PK. So, nine-man Vancouver. So, so, wait, you're telling me that, uh, as you've written over here, Dodgecall dupes a double and then Pico puts in a PK? Yes. I, um, I would say that if, if I could I, I wish. Yeah, pull off the alliteration at this point. It took me a second. I, I was struggling with you myself. I was in my head, but it just took this, me a second. This will be the last alliteration during this podcast. Uh, <laughs> no, <not>. <laughs> <laughs> Those are two, two or I'm well, just going to try, try to keep putting them into this episode. Now, as, as you guys like describe these games, I'm just going to go into alliteration zone. So let's now talk about New York Red Bulls, who put three goals past FC Dallas. Our opponents, Minnesota's opponents, this Friday coming into their game on Friday with a 3-0 not loss in Harrison, New Jersey. And Dallas won the most of their game up a man um, after BWP's easiest goal of his career, maybe, tap in. He's a long career. Oh, it, it required quick easiest. reflexes, though, for yeah. him. Like, he got across, like, in the box, right in front of the goal. There was no way he could have missed that unless he was Chris Wondolowski. So, Ooh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
um, Danny Roy gets sent off for an unbelievable tackle, unbelievable in a bad way. He's basically high boot cleats onto uh, Hayes, uh, Chris Hayes' shin. And not Chris Hayes. Not Chris Hayes. Chris Hayes <laughs> no. Said, no. To Corey Hayes. To Corey Hayes. I knew Chris that. Yeah. As soon as I said it. I don't I don't think Chris Hayes no, would pl- have no. a leg after that Did one. Did you not but... see that? Political commentator Chris Hayes was stanced by Daniel Royer. Do <laughs> you watch the same highlights? We need civility in politics, guys. <laughs> Royer's rage <laughs> results in red. Oh, I don't. Oh. I don't like this game. <laughs> <laughs> this game's better than Mish last week. I'll tell you that much. Uh, so Aaron Long ends up scoring. Stop rubbing your nipples, gentlemen. I'm just Mish, man. <laughs> Aaron Long scored falling down. They said it was kind of a, a bicycle. It, it wasn't. wasn't. Uh, Kamar Lawrence seals the deal for the Rebels. Apparently, Kellen Acosta got sent. Or. Uh, sent to the bench in the 32nd minute and looked like somebody had shot his puppy. Yeah, he really did. It was very sad. Um, he did come to Minnesota United and play yeah, all 90 minutes great. for us. Of course, I mean, yeah, we get him a new puppy too. <laughs> uh, uh, Ziedler will not be playing the game this Friday. He was sent off for Dallas late for la- uh, lashing out with a tit at a Red Bull player. Are they going to sub in Sam Seaborn in this position? <laughs> West Wing reference that nobody got. Okay, no, I, 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 we, okay. We now Mish is better. Un, you were just unimpressed. Okay, yeah, just, all right. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. And alliteration. Okay, all yeah, right. Fine. All right. Orlando <laughs> got uh, beat by Montreal. Something that made you laugh <laughs> as you okay. are right now. <laughs> that makes it a little bit better this week. <laughs> yeah, two goals. Better. The impact with two goals past Orlando in Orlando Stadium. They are, Orlando, of course, being taken care of by their caretaker manager, who. By the way, I, I don't think he's going to stick around based on this result. I don't even know his name. But there's Bobby Murphy. Thank you. Name. Thank you, Bobby Murphy. Very generically named manager. Not going to be around very much longer, I don't think. Because um, Orlando City CEO Alex Letao has said that the expectation for any new coach would be the playoffs. And good old Bobby Murphy, Ricky Bobby, is probably not the man based on this result to take them to the playoffs. No. Not so I much. I can't see any coach that would be able to bring this team to the playoffs. Don't tell Alex Letao. They've lost how he many games in a row now? Uh, a lot. Stall while I go check the form okay. table. I believe uh, anyway, it's seven. Mancosu drew a own goal out of uh, Lamine Sané. And then... Uh, it was a gorgeous header, by the way. Oh, yeah. Like, if he had Great meant, finish by him. Yeah, if he had meant to do that, that would have been fantastic. By the way, when you said seven losses right there, I was like, man, I should figure out what the MLS record for losing it's streak is. Then I was like, oh, yeah, I can just scroll up from this year. And just, you know, stop at the draw to Chicago and then the win against us. Anyway, keep going. Um, VAR allows Piatti's goal to stand after initially being called off sides late in the game. Um, I didn't really have much of a sniff of, at goal. Really easy day for Ev- Evan Bush. When do we play Orlando? We did already. Oh, okay. That's right. That's we yeah. beat them. We, we only play them yeah. once. Um, yeah, Kevin Molino got it. Okay, good. So yeah, they, they are one loss happened. away from a streak from being the joint holders with Colorado. So I was just thinking, like, maybe we'd play them <laughs> after that. Joint holders? Colorado? Colorado's cannabis consumption. You know what I'm saying? Another one. Kansas I got City two three, so far. Houston, two. <laughs> Houston actually up early in this game. See nothing. What happened? Um, Ike Apara happened. That's that's what happened. Um, 
he just was terrible in the first like 15 or so minutes. Um, he gave up. The first one, I believe, was just like him completely whiffing on a a clearance ball. Total mental lapse. His mind yeah. went somewhere else. He stopped what he was doing mid-dribble pretty much. Did I the stove on? No! Yeah, exactly. Second one was him running into somebody rather than trying to play the ball as the ball skips out. Very lucky not to be sent off for that tackle. Decidedly uh, so. Yeah. As the ball skips out, it, it goes into play and... That run leads to a goal. So Houston two up, and what happened uh, again? So you said what happened? I was actually going to go with this one before Collins talked about Icapara. What happened is that Daniel Shaloy happened, who looks like a ten-year-old. He's actually twenty, so you're not that far off, right? Movie at that age where all people below twenty-one looked like ten-year-olds, pretty much. Yeah, dude is very young looking. Anyway, he scored two, and then SKC in the dying moments of this game managed to get that winner. From Kyrie Shelton, of all people. Yeah, with his legs. Yeah. Yeah. He only starts with his head, as we can all attest to. Yes, sadly. But this is, very quickly, this is the kind of mentality that I would hope any team that I support in the future has. That big game mentality where you're down 2 nothing, everyone's dejected, and you come back and win 3-2. And SKC does seem to do that pretty regularly. You can't count them out. I mean, I thought that it was San Jose that you said Goonies never say die, but hmm. yeah, I, I guess it's turned into Kansas City now. Yeah, yeah. Well, RSL played San Jose in the game where we previously mentioned the announcers very unkindly mentioned who San Jose's two wins had come against. And this game ended 1-1, so San Jose does not yet have another win. Yeah, uh, Demir Krylak opened up in the 54th. Literally nothing else happened before that. Um, Albert Rusnak was literally you could see the paint come up on the goal line when he just rocketed a shot off the underside of the bar i that would have been amazing had it crossed there are a few moments of soccer that make me just go and scream that was one of them for sure yeah there are a few moments this week that Oh, by the way, speaking of screaming, uh, during this game, the commentator was saying, like, and Petke over there screaming at his orders as players. I was like, Petke screaming? No, that doesn't sound like him at all. No. I mean, he should have been handing them handouts that then yeah. the printer jammed and he couldn't make enough. He was it, just waving them at yeah. the fierce at the sideline. And then, like, beating the printer on the sideline with a baseball bat just, while damn it like feels good to be against the place. on sheets of paper. Going, yeah. Close down. Close down. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, Vaco ended up taking a shot rebound right off of Nick Raimondo into the path of Danny Hosen for the equalizer. Literally the last touch of the game was a header that bounced off the ground and then bounced on the top of the crossbar for RSL. Sad. That would have been scenes. Seattle played Chicago. Game ended again. 1-1. Uh, Stephen Fry was injured late in this game during second half stoppage time. He is now in concussion protocol. Good, good. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't want to mess around with that. We've seen that in recent weeks. A little too much of players who got smacked on the head in the World Cup are training up in games, which is very concerning. Well, yes. to be fair to Morocco, they did slap him a couple times in the face and splash water on him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he wore a rugby cap for about thirty minutes before yeah. taking it off. So that should be enough, right? Right. Yeah. Um, literally every single shot was just shanked late in this game. It, yeah. it was messy. Uh, LAFC. No, he, he plays later. Ha. 
LAFC played Columbus and got the 2-0 win. Lawrence Simon's goal, something, Caleb, that you mentioned as uh, brightening up your week. Yeah, it was a great goal. I don't. I still don't know how it wasn't saved, but then I remembered it was uh, John Tempin and goal for, for Columbus, so that's why. Um, Fans of NASL I, Minnesota United FC will remember John Kempen as the guy who played for San Antonio Scorpions for three games, I believe, uh, on loan from SKC in, uh, I think it was 2015 or 2014, one of the two, and let in just a whole barrage of goals, was called back to SKC, and then that year in the playoffs uh, was the guy who, I, th- I think he was trying to score a penalty against the Timbers, and it was saved, because that was that infamous penalty shootout that went 11 against yep. 11. yep. Uh, so that's that's John Kempen. He spent some time with the LA Galaxy. Now he is with Columbus. Yeah, and uh, Simon's free throw like outside of the boots. It bounces once and just touches into the bottom corner, perfectly around the wall. It was great. And then like that was in the second minute or something like that. And like in the eighth minute, uh, Deal stores um, for LA to double the lead and basically seals the game. Hashtag Dio lives. Hashtag Dio reduces Beal I would do that if I was him I'd, I'd go brand some deodorant and you know sell it he should play air guitar whenever he, he no he or just do the devil horns and yeah devil yell horns yell into, yell into and, a mic yeah is that a reference to something we're gonna play you something during the next break anyway let's move on alright alright <laughs> so uh, Atlanta played Portland ha <laughs> got just a tie stick that Atlanta uh, 1-1 the score here Yep. This uh, game scored something like a million viewers on Fox because it had a World Cup lead-in. Just leave it to Atlanta to, again, need some help to get their viewership up. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's it. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. I mean, we definitely know that the 70,000-plus people who were in the stadium were not watching on TV, so those numbers might be a little... They probably watch it on the Jumbotron. Oh, yeah, just so... Well, they can't see, they can't the pitch, see most pitch. of the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, Atlanta, and your great concessions and build stadium that's bigger than... Yeah. yeah. Um, hey, speaking of things that are terrible for Atlanta, uh, Darlington Nagby is going to be out for two to three months with a groin injury. I was oh. happy that Atlanta would be missing a player, but then I realized, uh, or rather, I looked at Twitter and, and saw that they had signed a young Argentinian uh, who looks like he is a tank driver in the, well, some Eastern European countries. Army, the man is built. Like, he looks like a linebacker. Maybe he's terrible at soccer and will get lots of red cards. Yeah, that's totally why Atlanta signs people. I hear they're horrible at signing people and their team's really bad. Moving on. <laughs> um, NYCFC get a 2-1 win over Toronto. Is it finally time to say that Toronto are in bad shape? I mean, they're going to they're gonna kickstart their season on July 4th. It'll be fine. Yeah. It's ironic that Toronto is going to save their season on Independence Day in the Northland. That's not where I thought that was going to go. I thought you were going to say ironic. They couldn't save this game or they couldn't save themselves, but they saved, you know, like the uh, Star Wars prequel quote from Palpatine, ironic. He could save... I've wiped that entire movie, those entire movies from my memory. You gotta go to prequel memes, I don't man. You gotta no. get into prequel memes. No. I really have good. them repressed no. down deep in my soul. I'm not bringing them up the, again. The, the, but that's why prequel memes are so great, man. No, seriously, just just check it out. Indulge. Indulge. Stop peer pressuring me. By the way, the guy who Atlanta signed is a dude named Eric Rometty. 
who was born in Parana, Argentina, and uh, comes from Club Atletico Banfield. And he has a highlights video that is, uh, it's, it, uh, yeah, anyway, watch it when you want to be scared. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, we should mention Virtue Vasquez opened the story in Fort Toronto with an audacious chip shot from outside the box over Sean Johnson. Uh, was matched in flair by Joe Ingenbergett with a back heel uh, back heel goal. across goal no less and then uh, Burdett would uh, get his brace later in the game with a less fancy shot so I guess that's great for him but they take all three points from at Inter Stadium well Atlanta or not Atlanta Toronto I'm, <laughs> I'm really excited for Toronto to come uh, come over here on July 4th yeah that's gonna it's teams nice. who lose a lot uh we seem to uh yeah yeah there's yeah. gonna be fireworks during that game yeah. and afterwards stick around after the game for some fireworks angry joe vinko that is definitely someone i want to host okay i'll well, just follow him in the, the box and take a penalty he, he plays Bonus. on turf doesn't he joe vinko i think so yeah okay all right we'll find out yep Let's now move on to NWSL games. First of all, Houston Dash playing the Thorns in Houston and losing 3-1. Yeah, um, just some really, really bad defending by Houston on a lot of these goals. Um, Sofia Huerta did score on her debut for the Dash, um, but that was not sufficient to keep up with. A really good dummy for Tobin Heath's goal for Portland's first and then um, second goal. Well, just some terrible defending by yeah. Houston in this game. Yeah. Second and third goal was just bad. Yeah. Um, goalkeeper unable to hold on to it. And the ball just keeps bouncing past the feet of the defender that was on the far post. Atrocious. Clear it. Um, Jane Campbell then uh, was unable to catch Christine Sinclair's chip for uh, the late insurance goal. Sorry. It was bad. Yeah. It was really bad. A lot of, uh, of goals from distance in the NWSL this week. Seattle Rain playing North Carolina Courage. Courage back to their winning ways 4-1 in this game, getting the victory. Seattle Rain opened up the scoring in the 18th after a free kick. Courage just completely went off afterwards. Uh, Merritt Mathias... Definitely with the best goal of the game. Of Fantastic. The well, uh, no, there's a, there's one more. I don't. I. Okay, fine. I'll, I believe yeah. you. Um, excellent goal for that one. Go check it out. Um, courage are back. I guess. <laughs> that yeah, took a long time for them to bounce back. <laughs> one <laughs> week. So long, guys. <laughs> yeah, they they might not win the NWSL this year after getting. Tons of points more than everyone else. How They're long? Le- no, eleven points clear of yeah. Orlando in second place. I was going to ask. I mean, at this point, how many more wins do they need before they are crown champions? Have we? Have that we involves math? math, and I don't want to do that <laughs> right okay. now. Wait, aren't your like e pluribus lunum articles like all about statistics? Yeah, isn't that your like thing? That's where I get all of my math out, and then I'm just completely spent afterwards. Hashtag math out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, watching the Spirit playing the Orlando Pride and Orlando getting the one nil win in this game. This is the one where yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, this goal was better. <laughs> um, a lot of candy beat Aubrey Bledsoe off her line with a shot that literally was 
a step outside of the center circle. Um, Spirit made Ashlyn Harris really busy on the other end in goal, um, but it came to naught. Chicago Red Stars getting a 2-0 win against Utah Royals, a much-needed victory for the Red Stars, who have been struggling a little bit. Little bit. Um, don't watch the first half. Second half got better. Um, nice looping header for the opener. Um, sadly included Abby Smith, the Utah Royals keeper, uh, running face first into the far post. And it looked painful. Yes, it did. Ouch. Um, DiBernardo also gets a goal in this one. No goals for Sam Kerr. Surprising in a Red Stars win. With that, it's now time to take our second break of this show. We shall return with part three that has the rest of your soccer transfers. And of course, from Russia with VAR. All right, I have been schooled on the deal and a little bit of heavy metal was played in the break. What? What? What did I do wrong? Uh, you didn't know Ronnie James Dio. Okay, so I said the Dio. There we go. You know that—that's his name, though. Uh, okay. I mean, yeah. I probably pissed fine. off like half our listeners, and they're gone. I keep doing that, don't I? Like listeners keep leaving because I say something. Uh your silence is concerning. I was hoping for some reassurance. <laughs> Everyone that I talk to is still listening. So basically, your dad. We have one listener. And Shane. Oh, Shane. Yeah. Hi, Shane. Yeah, thanks, for, Shane. thanks for sticking around, man. Do appreciate it. Also, hi, Caleb's dad. You're cool, too. <laughs> All right. Let's now move into a segment that we call Get Low. Let's get low and get to a wrap-up of U.S. Lower Leagues Soccer. First up. Everyone's favorite uh, third-person talker, Rocco Camiso, is Rocco! trying. Yep, he's trying to buy AC Milan. Uh, insert uh, getting ready to buy a team montage uh, in this place where he climbs up and down some stairs and puts his hands up. Anyway, Rocco was apparently a shoo-in to get this deal done until about a couple of hours ago when the Chinese owner of AC Milan. Ch- at the last minute changed the conditions of the sale so Rocco is currently it is unclear whether the sale will still go through uh, also unclear if Rocco in, intends to bring ProRel to Serie A let's just move on yeah <laughs> uh, the US Open Cup had a few results first of all Louisville beating Nashville SC2-1 in the the USL game you mean um, Louisville beat Minnesota United retirees? Yes, if we are heckling them. Yes. At this point, though, who is in a Minnesota United retiree? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. deep and sad. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so is Jome and Justin Davis playing in this game for Nashville? Jome getting an assist, if I'm not very much mistaken. Almost had an assist. Also, uh, we only yeah. watched the highlights of this game. Of course, listeners should know that, but... Um, I was very, my heart was warmed 
when the highlights started in the 34th minute after one of the goals for Louisville had already been scored. <laughs> it just was, it, it kind of reminded me of the days of yore. Uh, I could have used a little bit more like shaky camera, a little bit more uh, mascot players that don't have any basis of what the highlight is. Right. Or or the, the mascot jumping out of a little plastic egg and you know, those kinds of yeah. things. I did miss all that, but it was a vistful reminder of the past. I was kind of hoping there would be no goals in the highlights, just the goals, the highlights around the goals. <laughs> Are they just uh, oh yeah no it's two, it two one but like here's stuff that happened that was kind of interesting huh yeah. you don't like that <laughs> okay we do two goals fine take it <laughs> Atlanta also blank <laughs> Chicago and <laughs> getting beat Chicago getting the win one nil see you Atlanta losers the camera angle was different though I feel like on this uh, game you know honestly I I thought the camera angle was the same in the later Fox game. So oh, I don't okay. know if they've like changed the camera angles around, but you still can't see half the field with the camera or so. the corners. Yeah, that's yeah. um. Yeah. Anyway, Nicolaj gets the winner. Their USL news: FC Cincinnati has sold out their season tickets at eighteen thousand. Um, good for them. It makes me real happy to see this. This yep. is my happy face. Yep. <laughs> um, Swope Park Rangers got a three-two win over Las Vegas Lights. Um. It, in large part because Las Vegas decided to do a trick play penalty after the 90th minute. Uh, Carlos Alvarez, instead of taking a shot, just passed it laterally to Sammy Ochoa, runs onto it, and then nails the post. Ah, oh, beautiful. Lower league soccer. Love it. We also had Tampa Bay play Penn FC. And Tampa Bay, by the way, today announcing they have signed Quad Quo Poku. Yes. Yes. Um, Noted guy who is on the MLS allocation list for NYCFC. And there were there was some people on Reddit and Twitter saying, why isn't Poku in MLS? Probably because NYCFC is holding him to ransom or yeah. the raise rights. <clears throat> yeah. Well, no, it, it's not NYCFC that's holding it. It's the fact that the allocation ranking means that people would have to trade up in order to get Poku. What do you mean? Why is he subject to allocation? Because Miami FC spent more than $500,000 on a transfer fee to oh get Poku. I really hate MLS rules so much. Oh, God. Yeah. How about just think about the fact $500,000 by an NASL team for Poku. <laughs> I mean, it's Miami FC. It's Ricardo Silva just doing whatever the hell he wants, which he recently was in a photograph with David Beckham. Apparently, they're talking about Miami soccer now. Uh, it kind of kind of had shades of that Salah Ramzan Kadirov photo where Beckham was just kind of like, "Why? Why is there a camera here? I've been ambushed. What's going on? Why is there a dead horse in my bed?" Anyway, um, I'm glad that you uh, decided that Ricardo Silva is as bad as Kadirov or Corleone from The Godfather. Come on now. I was going off the photo part of it. You're going with the horse head part. Yeah, I am. I am. Okay, anyway, back to the game where Tampa Bay lost to Penn FC 2-1. Yep, former Rowdy. Lucky Mkasana gets a brace. Um, spoils the farewell game for Marcel Schaefer. 
who is heading off to uh, be the sporting director at Wolfsburg. He Schaefer was, of course, a big-name German signing that the Rowdies have had. He's kind of turned into a little bit of a fan favorite over there. So it was kind of sad for them to see him go. The Rowdies not having a vintage season this year, as we know that their coach not was fired so yeah. uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, I believe Wolfsburg had... Well, some Wolfsburg fans in Germany had to stream the game and watch Marcel Schaefer's last professional game. So that's kind of cool, too. That is. Let's now move into NPSL North. I will fully confess that I haven't kept track of the NPSL North, uh, and Caleb is intimating the same here. So we have one person here who knows what he's talking about. And I also heard that... Uh, you, I saw you on Twitter saying, getting very worked up about the fact that Aris and Minneapolis City had a nil-nil result. I, and the notes also imply that you are quite worked up about this. Um, I don't understand why. They read the words, what the actual fuck. Um, here's, In capital letters. Yeah, here's the reason. Um, Aris has gotten one point in the last four years. Aha. Is, is it this point? No. Oh, so well, two points in the last Yeah, years. coming up to this game, they had gotten one point in four years. Oh, so they held Minneapolis City. Too bad. Um, yeah. Uh, everyone involved over at Minneapolis City, from what I gather, is just perplexed at how they just completely shot the bed against Eris. And, you know, this would have been... This was basically seen as a game in hand for them because it was readily assumed that anyone who plays Eris is going to walk all over them. Nobody at Minneapolis City apparently reads the classic because otherwise they would have learned of hubris left to us as a concept by the ancient Greeks. Yeah. Or the fact that they had a U23 game in Nebraska, couldn't call up any of their players and had like seven guys injured. That which, too. Which book is themed excuses? I, I, why are you asking me? I don't. I, I don't you know, I'm I making question. fun of I what he just said, so I, I have to ask you. You know, I mean, I just yeah. I don't have an answer. There's <laughs> in, a problem in that question. <laughs> is I don't know what the riff was going to be, and I'm just going to stop talking right now. In any case, uh, Minneapolis City still lead the North uh, by two points over Duluth FC. Uh, VSLT are five points back with a game to complete, um, also against Aris. Uh, Med City and Minnesota Twin Stars are sort of clinging to playoff relevance along with Dakota Fusion. Um, Wednesday night's games include um, City hosting VSLT, Duluth hosting Twin Stars, and Med City playing against Aris. So by the time that you hear this, things are probably going to look different. All right, WPSL news with our local team, Fire98, getting a 6-1 win over the Minnesota Twin Stars Dragons. This is the first ever WPSL game with two Minnesota teams coming towards the end of the Fire98 season. Yeah, um, solid result for them. Um, they kind of scored goals in bunches in the second half. Um, apparently a uh, entertaining game despite the scoreline. Encourage you to go to their next game, which I believe is on July seventh. I think yes, I think that's the date that I read on uh, on their Twitter feed. So let's now move into a segment that we call the system only dreams in total darkness. Let's get national and discuss the latest from the U.S. national teams, who announced the men's fall friendlies. Yeah, uh, so far 
Uh, games against Brazil, Italy, England, and Mexico have been announced. Uh, Total more are expected to be announced at a later date, but some heavy hitters in those fall friendlies. Basically, teams looking to make up whatever crap show they leave at the World Cup. Uh, so we'll see what ha- what happens in those. USMNT definitely trying to make a statement going into the next cycle of of intent, statement of intent. Uh, also, the state, another statement of intent from them would be who they get as a coach. The rumored list stated by Ives Galsep on his article was Jesse Marsh, Greg Berhalter, Juan Carlos Osorio, Tab Ramos, and Carlos Quiroz, who are apparently all on the U.S. men's national team coaching shortlist. Osorio, of course, the national team coach. Quiroz, of course, the, or I should say the Mexican national team coach, whereas Quiroz is the Iranian national team coach both at the world cup kiros not for very much longer yeah um both sides have looked like they're punching a little bit above their weight as well mm-hmm. um so either would be a good hire as well as martian burhalter it should be mentioned that marsh we, we didn't talk about this before but there are rumors that he's going to take over rb leipzig for one year before they get their new coach julian nagelsman in the 19 2019 2020 season this is something that um we were going to discuss later but i'll just mention julian nagelsman will be in charge of um a bundesliga team that hoffenheim, hoffenheim for one more year and then we'll go to RB Leipzig. This was announced last week already. Kind of awkward to announce a coach having a lame duck year like this uh, and then going to a big team in the same league, but there we go. So RB Leipzig does need a lame duck coach themselves and there was some talk that Jesse Marsh might leave the Red Bulls, take over Leipzig, which might be his entryway into coaching in Europe because, I mean, he'd just be there for a year, but he could maybe use that to, to go somewhere else. So, uh, also now in the U.S. men's national team picture, apparently. Let's now move into a segment that we call The Transfer. Step back, doors closing. Get your transfer ticket because we're switching lines in the segment where we cover soccer transfers from the world over. So, um, Raja Nyingalin um, goes to Inter Milan. Uh, swap deal that includes believe about 21 million pounds along with um david santon and another player whose name is escaping me basically he's a played for teams that hate juventus and continues that trend so good for him yes yeah <laughs> sure uh let's also talk about the fact that javier pastore has gone to as roma from psg mm, pasta <laughs> always what i think of when i see his name and then uh fred no no not the one from the 7-1 defeat in uh the last world cup brazilian fred the new younger version is going to manchester united from the shakhtar the 2018 Donetsk. model yeah exactly he's been upgraded they had the technology and they did it so yeah. uh he, he exciting signing though apparently he's been doing great stuff for Donetsk. So. yeah he, he's been lighting up the ukrainian league doing very well in european competitions West Ham United have signed Lucas Fabianski from Swansea City. And some news as well from their player, Manuel Lanzini, who is now been ruled out for the entire next season. 15 months is the recovery time for his knee injury. Lanzini, of course, was going to be a starter for Argentina, probably at the World Cup. There are rumors of that. And then had to pull out of the tournament. Tragic turn of fate. Yep. Um, speaking of... Maybe less tragic, we'll say. Uh, Bruno de Carvalho um, 
the director of Sporting Lisbon, um, has been ousted. And going with him uh, is their recently hired head coach, Sinisa Mihailovic. Who was hired on a million-dollar contract. Basically, some rumors that Carvalho knew that he was going to go and want to leave the team massively in debt as a retribution. This is the nutcase who invited Ultras, allegedly invited Ultras, to beat up his own players. We've talked about it in previous pods. With that, now it's time to move into our segment from Russia with VAR. From Russia Bar I fly to you Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond. I expect you to run to the edge of the pitch and stare at a screen for a couple of minutes that has two games going on at the same time because we've entered the end of the group stage. Now, again, we said this last week. By the time our listeners listen to this, because of the pace of the World Cup, they'll know way more than us. So let's not dwell necessarily on individual results as much as moments and things that we've loved watching and maybe some interesting news. I want to start with the fact that a Canadian, he's a member of the Legislative Assembly of Manitoba. He started researching his uh, heritage, and I should mention at this time that his name is Len Islifson. Turns out he's oh, related to... very Scandinavian. Weird. Yeah. yeah. Turns out he's related to 22 out of 23 players on the Icelandic national team. You'd be surprised how many Icelandic people settled in Manitoba, actually. Really? Yeah. Like, it, apparently... Climate similarities. Yeah. Um, Less Vikings. Yeah. Raiding um, your village. It, it makes it a little bit easier to farm when there's not, like, geothermal springs all over the place. Who's the one player he's not related to? Does it say? I don't know, but he's, okay. that one guy's really disappointed. <laughs> but anyway... Mo Salah was rumored to be retiring from the Egyptian national team. You've mentioned a couple of times now. He was forced to have a bunch of events with a genocidal madman in Chechnya. And, I mean, just go read the Wikipedia entry on Ramzan Kadyrov. It's quite the read. And the man is... I mean, there's there's no words that I can adequately to do justice to the things that he's done. Anyway, point is, Salah was forced to pose with him. There are conspiracy theories on Twitter about the fact that this was engineered by the Egyptian FA to damage Salah's PR because he was becoming this kind of really incredibly popular person in Egypt um, and the world over. And so the, the government saw that as a threat because, of course, they have a bit of an autocratic government there as well. The, the other, I guess, kind of conspiracy theory is that given how tight the Egyptian FA is with the government. Um, there seemed to be some sort of government push to improve relations with Chechnya, who yeah. are also majority Muslim. So, and majority Sunni Muslim. Sunni Muslim, yeah. Just like Egypt. This is an extremely important fact. So, anyway, we don't know the truth of all of this, but and it's all rumors. There ha- is, Salah's agent has implied that after the World Cup is over and Salah has left the Egyptian national team camp, some more news may trickle out. The fact that he was upset trickled out only after the Egyptian national team had left Chechnya and their training camp there for good. Moving on, I think one of my favorite moments was a referee, Bjorn Kupers, telling Neymar to shut up. That was great. because That he, was amazing. In, in that Brazil game, Neymar was just kind of a little extra petulant. He was chirping the ref all game. Yeah. All game. They were playing uh, Costa Rica, uh, yeah. right? 
and uh, got the win. Good for them. Very late. Um, both goals came in stoppage time. It was it was just one of those things where you just wanted someone to tell him to shut up, and it then happened. it happened. It, it was, was great. It, it really was really glorious. So now, tell me some other games that you guys have been excited to see, and some other th- themes, trends that you've been keeping track of. The Serbia uh, Switzerland game was one of great dra- late drama again in this World Cup. A lot of late goals have been scored so far. Um, another late goal f- for Switzerland this game, but a lot of uh, political um, implications with Granar uh, Jaka and Jadon Shatiri's celebrations doing the double eagle, the Albanian eagle. Um, Serbia, of course, not the greatest friends with Albania. Um, well, there's there's a little bit of a layer to this. So there were the Yugoslav yeah. wars, which again, if you want to read a real piece of work of Wikipedia entry, go read that one. Don't do it before you go to sleep. And or if you suffer from depression, because it'll make it worse. Yeah, it's you will lose your faith in humanity pretty quickly there. But anyway, it's too complex to go into here. But all you need to know is that Kosovo is a region formerly or that Serbia claims. Let's just put it that. Way, let's not go into what happened before. And uh, Kosovo has recently finally been recognized as an independent region. They have their own soccer team. Shakiri and Shaka both are descended from refugees from Kosovo. And uh, Shaka's father, if I remember right, was a political prisoner yep, during that time. He was in prison for three and a half years. Right. So these guys had to be convinced when Kosovo became independent not to actually start playing for Kosovo. Um, they had to be convinced to remain in the Swiss setup. But they're obviously very strongly linked to their heritage. I believe it's um, Shaka. I don't think it's Shakiri. One of the two of them plays with the Kosovan flag on it's his one. Shakiri. Shakiri plays Shakiri, with one. Uh, Kosovan flag on his right foot, Swiss on his left. Right. So this game, Serbia versus Switzerland, obviously having major implications to them. They were getting... There, there was questions of what they would do in this game and how they would be treated by the fans even leading up to this game. Relentlessly booed. There were Serbian fans wearing T-shirts showing Ratko Mladic, who was one of... I mean, he's one of the two butchers of Bosnia, uh, who was in the Serbian uh, army and all of that. But anyway, so there was a lot of bad blood going into it. They were taunted. And um, so when they scored, each of them got a goal in this game. Yeah. Uh, each of them got one of the two goals in this game and they showed that double eagle of course which is Albanian heritage which is of course also linked to Kosovo and is a political symbol they were threatened with suspensions for I believe three games but the judicial judicial review from FIFA has said that they have escaped with fines which apparently um, people connected with the Kosovar FA are crowdfunding to pay those fines that's a rumor. We're not sure who is raising that money. But anyway, it's um, it, there are articles about this. And if you want to dig deeper, it's an extremely complex issue, which we can't really do justice to over here. Something less complex is the Group A aspect where people are saying Uruguay sucks now. Suarez is terrible. Turns out not so much. Suarez has scored, I think, believe in the two games that Uruguay had left in the, uh, to play. And Uruguay also thrashed Russia, which another narrative, Russia is good, going down in flames. That was interesting to see. But kind of expected. Um, Saudi Arabia and Egypt did not do themselves any good here in, uh, at the World Cup. Russia kind of just walked all over. And once they came up to a team that was actually of good quality from front to back, uh, 
They just couldn't handle it. So you think Russia is going to do great when they come up against Spain? I cannot wait for that game. That was I mean, that is, going, is going to, to be make a bloodbath. Laugh. Make England Panama look, you know, like a close game. Which was also another event that we we were subjected to this past week. Was Panama losing and then everyone losing their collective minds about how MLS stinks because our players had six goals scored against them because they Panama was a lot of MLS players. Blah blah blah. It's like. Uh, who, anyway, yeah, I don't even want to. <laughs> it's so stupid. I feel like in this whole World Cup, something happens in one game. Like Saudi Arabia loses one game, and everyone's like, "Oh my God, it has all of this meaning." And they keep <laughs> they keep attributing a lot of meaning to singular events. There were how many games in the in the first in the group stage? There's going to be blowouts. There's going to be close games. There's going to be games that seem like the team that won shouldn't have won. It's just how soccer works. And yeah. if you look at the England Panama game, yes, Harry Kane had the worst hatred ever. <laughs> and, <laughs> Is that uh, your Trump? I'll try and do a comic book guy. Hold on. Oh, okay. Worst hatred ever. Okay, much better. That's the way I'm much sorry. better. You gotta, you gotta really punch the second E in ever, though. Yeah. I won't try again for the listener, but uh, Panama scored the first goal of the World Cup in their country's history and that was a great moment for them yeah. and yeah, the, they went and the fans went absolutely nuts that they had just yeah. won the tournament and it was great to see no that's fantastic man i also you know you you said soccer is like this um germany versus sweden that is to me the essence of soccer that free tickle that was Cruz oh my god making a mistake Ice in his veins making a mistake for the first goal and uh, that led to the first goal, I should say, for Sweden. And then coming back in the final minute of stoppage time to score a beautiful, brilliant, uh, indirect free kick. Yeah. Uh, don't watch it. We can't do justice with our words. But I it shouted fantastic. in the bar. I was so incredibly happy to see Germany go through. Absolutely don't deserve it. Uh, I mean, not go through, but uh, they were they were threatened with with going out of the tournament right there so that yeah. to keep them alive. Who knows? Maybe that'll happen to them tomorrow and they'll be shamed against uh, South, Korea. South Korea when they play that. But I don't know. I'm going to be watching that. That 9 o'clock tomorrow morning, that's what I'm going to be doing. The yeah. Swedish player who gave up the um, free oh, tick gosh. Um, is Jimmy. Swedish-born. Yeah. Of, his father is a Syrian immigrant, was um, racially abused online, him and his family. Um, he made a statement with the entire Swedish national team uh, behind him. And then at the end of, the, of his speech, um, he turned around to the Swedish national team and everyone yelled, fuck racism, which was good to see. Jimmy Dermaz, yeah, by the way, his name. And it was, I mean, I, I don't know. I can't use the words good to see there. I mean, strong response, of course. But yeah. Good to see but, but that the I, team yeah. was behind him. The response and, yeah. was fantastic. But not the the cause of the response. Right, right. I, yeah, I, I think there was also some, some people saying that... Um, you know, this is exactly what the people who abuse want. They want to see a response. Yeah, no. It's more important to share to the people who are just observing this from the outside and seeing it happen and saying, is this normal? It's it's good for those people to realize, no, it's not normal. What we, we don't need to stay silent. I don't care what the guy who racially abused Jimmy thinks. No one cares about his opinion. It's the people who are silently watching to see what's the norm. Those are the people whose opinions I care about. Anyway, Germany did get that win. Um, moving on to these kind of group ending games where they were playing two at the same time group b spain portugal iran and morocco those two games where spain played morocco and portugal played iran gosh that was 
Such oh, a nail biter. Man. Incredible. And I was surprised actually. I thought after the, the you know, VAR players played a pretty big role in the last two days of this tournament. I was expecting everyone to go crazy about VAR, but even some of the VAR critics are actually saying it added drama, which is the way I saw it. Yeah. Yeah, especially with Iago Aspaus's goal. Um, the fact that it was allowed to stand when there were the questions of offside. VAR was the reason that you could see that he was onside. Yeah, I mean, not only did it make it correct, but suddenly, at the death in stoppage time, you had this massive moment. It was it was breathtaking. Yeah, it was really really cool. I am very sad that Iran did not get to go through. I was really hoping that they would. They played very well. I did not expect them to play that well. Um, their goalkeeper, who Ali Reza uh, Birinvend, Birinvend. Is a 25 year old goalkeeper who left home at 15, was basically homeless, and um, is now playing on the, on the largest club in Iran. I'd expect him to, to possibly get some offers abroad after his performance. He saved a penalty by Cristiano Ronaldo. Exactly. Like that is yeah. that is god tier uh, had... right there. You know that that's something that like the Kadirov types like they call famous players over to like save their penalties. Like they have to like force someone to like shoot at them a, a whiff to kind of do that. And this <laughs> guy has done it in a competitive game at the very highest level of the sport. Yeah. He had a clean seat against Morocco. The only reason he conceded was a luck- unlucky balance off of Diego Costa's late in the, in the Spain game and Carlos Charisma's wonder goal was the only reason he conceded in the Portugal game. That was an amazing goal by Charisma. Yeah. Group C ended up very in a very boring fashion with France and Denmark playing the most... The first 0-0. Inter- no, no. Yeah, irritating draw, uh, scoreless, and Peru getting two goals to cap off their strong but futile showing at this tournament. Group D, though, today, providing oh my stress. <laughs> oh, my. Argentina pulling it through... You know, I really, really th- wanted them not to. Right, me too. <laughs> I I dislike how the narrative has gone from all the big boys are failing to now all the big boys coming through right at the death. Yeah. Well, it, it it's also the fact that the narrative is all the big boys are circumventing the coach and came through. That's true. Um, some rumors of discord, which you again, it's too many twists and turns. But they're apparently they've all made up and been happy. Uh, someone who was very, very happy towards the end of this game, Diego Maradona, who I don't know if you mentioned last week. I don't think we did. I wanted to, but I forgot, which is that he, uh, when Argentina played, um, uh, I think it was their game against Iceland, there were some South Korean fans in the stadium near him who Jackie Oatley, a analyst from England, saw. They waved towards Mar- Maradona. Maradona waved and smiled back before making the slitty-eyed gesture, which is extraordinarily offensive. And then in this game, yelled uh, puto when Argentina scored the winner and showed two middle fingers on live TV, which immediately cut away. I thought it was really funny for a second until I lip-read what he was saying. Yeah, up until uh, that part, like, that was the most gifable, memeable thing I'd seen in this tournament. Which, And then we figure out that it's uh, Maradona being... Diego Maradona is a garbage person who's dead at soccer. And he was obviously on some sort of drugs there's footage from him being literally dragged up the stairs at halftime uh half conscious he had to have medics attend to him and there's now footage of him on a plane flying away i believe so he's fine but um yeah obviously on some sort of something uh maybe he went to those russian doctors and got him something real good uh in his cocktail 
But um, that's kind of... I'm trying to think of other we, World Cup moments. Moment of silence for Willie Tabiero's career. Yeah. Yeah. Terrible. Pulled off to... Yeah, pulled off to make way for a guy who has never played for the national team before competitively. And... Yeah. I mean, a and lot had a of good, decent enough game. Yeah, exactly. and uh, had an excellent season for the biggest team in Argentina this year. Franco Armani is this guy's name, by the way, and he plays for River Plate. Yep. Yep. Um, but yeah, Caballero probably was only on there as a legacy appointment. Yeah. He had been around long enough, had been the backup long enough. And, and would not have played if Sergio Romero was healthy. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so I, I don't think Argentina deserved this. Super Eagles very gutted for yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Nigeria should have uh, Croatia, watch out for them in that top stage. I think they didn't advance to pretty far in this tournament. I they think they're the complete team. They're the ones that I'm most surprised by so far because everyone's saying like you know there's political discord back home. The Croatian fans want them to lose. The coach is fairly new. There there might be some stuff about Luka Modric. None of them. None of that seems to have affected them. So, no. uh, getting getting that winner against. Iceland, uh, which kind of the game went back and forth a little bit, but again, Croatia coming back with that big game mentality. Anyway, at this point, it's now time to move right into our end credits because we're going to skip soccer things again this week. Uh, Colin giving me the nah look, so we save some time. I mean, I could speculate what Maradona was taking, but nah. I think we all have an idea. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. There are records from 94. But, okay, so why don't you tell the good people where they can find you on Twitter? I'm at Olson 716 on Twitter, also at 551. That's a check, but I might have the match preview for this Friday going on. I also have a little group stage, winners, winners and losers, going up after the group stage has finally ended. Uh, you can find me at The Attachment. You can find my writing over at E Pluribus Lunum. I may be quite busy with NPSL stuff this week, and possibly I'll also have a... Um, tactical piece on Minnesota United with um, ideas on how they can uh, be more pragmatic with their player combinations. You can find me at TW United Fans. You can also find this podcast on fine podcast providers everywhere who you should send your friends to to, to find this podcast. And uh, with that, we'll take a, a week long break and return next week with our new episode of We Call It Soccer. Feed me.